Uh, good evening. It is I, the Corpus Christi Joker, the real Nerf Joker, and this is episode two of J-Waves. Thank you so much for joining me. And for today's episode, I'd like to go over some classic horror movies. I had a friend ask me online, I was asking for what they wanted me to go over on podcast, and one of the good ideas I thought that was cool was for me to talk about some of my favorite horror movies. I am a horror buff. I do love Horror movies, I do run with my sister, the Texas Dark Art Society on Facebook. Be sure to check us out there. It is pretty cool. And we do enjoy going to Texas Frightmare every year. That is just one of the best horror conventions, I think, in Texas. And if you've never gone before, you definitely should try it out. Texas Frightmare, absolutely amazing. But yeah, Texas Dark Art Society uh, on Facebook. Pretty much what we do there, me and a couple of my horror friends... And my sister, we just go over cool, interesting, up-and-coming horror movies, talk about horror, talk about why we love horror. We talk to other people that are like us because horror genre has its own type of fans. And I think it's so cool that we can all meet and talk and organize in a very cool, safe spot like the Texas Dark Art Society Facebook. So if you ever feel free or you ever feel inclined to look us up, please do. And if you ever want to talk about horror movies... Definitely message any of the of the uh, comments or any of the pictures that we put up and talk to us there. We will gladly talk horror with you. Alright, so I kind of put together three movies that I think kind of define my my vision of what horror is. Um, I've gone on record and I've, I've been held to a record as to saying that Deliverance is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And I do stand by that. I think Deliverance is actually one of the most scariest um, movies ever because it's not so much supernatural or um, crazy or having to deal with like the devil or ghosts or anything. It's just the human spirit and how humans can be so horrible to each other. I think that within itself is one of the most terrifying things of all time and Deliverance does a very good job of making that uh, known and Burt Reynolds's performance because he's so strapping and big and handsome and it's like wow to see him panic and to see the whole movie unfold is just one of the greatest things i think ever caught on cinema uh rest in peace burt reynolds i was really sad when he passed away so there's a good movie to watch so you can remember how fantastic he truly was um now the list that i've made here i picked three movies and i'm just going to kind of go through them and share some insights and some personal stories about each one of the movies So I'll get into that. First one that I chose, and this is probably one of my all-time favorites. Before I get into it, I remember there was a Christmas that we were at my aunt's house, and um, they were showing this on television. That was really one of the first times, I must have been three or four or five years old, where I got a glimpse of the creature in this movie. And I remember thinking, good lord, like that is absolutely terrifying. Completely stunned me. It was almost like, it, it definitely was something I've never seen before. And up and and from that point on, it has really become like the staple of what I hold the standard into whether a movie is scary or not. And that movie is American Werewolf in London, the nineteen eighty one version. I think it's funny because if you look it up anywhere, it says comedy horror, comedy horror. <laughs> and I guess it would be comedic now, but I mean, I definitely would not ever want to see that man beast walking in the moors out there. All of this is terrifying um it is directed by john landis it is starting uh dave naughton 
and uh, Jenny Agutter, who is still so beautiful in the, in the film. Um, but most importantly, not to demean anyone in the movie, uh, Rick Baker is the special effects artist. Now, Rick Baker is one of my all-time biggest influences as far as like growing up uh art like being an artist creating things i think rick baker is absolutely amazing if you're not following him on instagram that's a huge mistake on your part he posts all kinds of things he posts live paintings of him doing it live and he is just an absolute artist and someone that i look up to oh so much and um and it's because of american world from london once i figured out that this gentleman had created this, you know, him and his and his studio. I don't want to say it's like him by himself, not to demean anyone, but it is all his brainchild that comes all these horrific images. And uh, I think that the werewolf from American Werewolf in London has never been beaten or even come close to being anything else as terrifying as that. I, mean, I can maybe say the dog soldiers from Dog Soldiers, the werewolf and dog soldiers was clum- came close, but not really. I mean seeing that that uh the the beast the werewolf beast because he wasn't a werewolf that thing was huge it was like a lion wolf walking around in the cities of britain it was just like oh my god you know it's it was it was amazing it was just it was crazy and you know when he's attacking everyone in london it's just like yes this movie is fantastic um a little bit about john landis back in 2005 me and my sister got the chance to go to San Diego Comic-Con, and it was one of the best experiences of my entire life. I consider it like the the apex of how high my life got. That was like the number one spot. That was just awesome. And one of the cool stories that I have from there, which I have a ton, and I'll probably share with you those as Jay Waves continues, I hope, was we're standing in line to buy food, and in front of me, I kind of recognize him, but I'm like, mm. and then there's this huge guy behind me, and he's like six foot eleven. And uh, he he leans over me, and his wife is there with him, and he looks at the guy in front of me who I have been trying to figure out who it is, but I think I'm kind of starstruck. I can't believe it's him. And the guy behind me, this tall dude, goes, are you someone famous? You important? Like, just a complete, you know, ugh. And without missing a beat, the gentleman in front of me turns around and goes, why, yes, I am. And as soon as he said, yes, I am, I knew it was John Landis. I'm like, oh my God. So I stepped in and I said, I pretended like I was John Landis' security guard. And I'm so glad my sister was there to back me up on this because she can tell you 100% this happened. And I said, yes, yes, uh, you know, he's famous. I said, you got to get back in line, you know, leave him alone right now. And John Landis slapped me so hard on my back uh, just because of how, how elated he was that I did this for him. Uh, it, it almost broke my back. It was like the, one of the hardest hits I've ever taken, ever. And we had a laugh, and the guy was like, ooh, and, you know, he got back in line. And me and John Landis, like, looked at each other and talked, and I got to gush a little bit, and my sister gushed a little bit. We were like, man, we love you so much. And he said, what movie What movie um, made you love me? And without skipping a beat, I said, American Werewolf from London and Thriller. Like, not even thinking twice. It was just like, those are the things that created me. I wanted to tell him that, you know. I always wanted to tell Rick Baker, I've never had a chance to meet Rick Baker, but I always wanted to tell Rick Baker, like, just like, like the Joker told Batman, you made me, you made me, you know, like your, your imagination made me. And then I just want to say thank you so much, you know, and my sister is like a huge influence too. And it would be like you plus Rick Baker, plus Jim Henson, you know, plus, 
um, Sesame Street, you know, those kind of things made me. It's like, you made me. It's amazing. And American Werewolf in London, you know, as I, as I got older, got, got to watch it and see it and experience it as an adult and see the movie for what it is. It's just such a great, great movie. And still, without any kind of, like, CGI, that's one thing I just love. Almost no computer-generated graphics at all. It was all physical stuff done by the amazing Rick Baker and tortured through uh, David Naughton getting through that that scene uh, where he transforms into the wolf, I think is just something that has been never matched in any movie. They've tried. Oh boy, they've tried. But it has not even come close to this kind of terror. Uh, and even the story, the story is a really good story. You know, the love story between uh, the werewolf and the nurse and how they fall in love and, 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 and there is still something there, you know, um, I think, um, you know, his name was David and, um, David and, um, nurse Alex, they, they had like a real connection. It looked like it, you know, you, you watch it now and you go, oh yeah, they actually might've been in love. I love that about it. And the ending is just such a tragic ending and so, so horrible that it just, it's, it's really what makes the movie work. And, uh, I love that. So if you've never seen American Werewolf in London, I definitely think you should check it out. And if you do check it out, go on my Facebook and I'll put a post up announcing this podcast and we can talk about it. I definitely would love it. And also, I'm going to put the post on the Texas Dark Art Society and we could talk about it there too. American Werewolf in London, the 1981 version directed by John Landis. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, on to movie number two. And these are in no specific order. This is not from worst to best or last to worst or worst to nothing. This is just... I'm just throwing them out there. Paul Anderson's Event Horizon, starring Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill, and so many others, but Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill, this is really their movie. This is one of the movies that, you know, it. I can't even explain, like, what happened. You know, this is before they would beat us over the head with previews, and we knew what was going to happen going in. Uh, this preview, if you don't remember, look it up on YouTube, um, it alluded to nothing of what the movie was actually about. Uh, what's interesting to me is we went into this movie thinking, oh, I can't wait to see what aliens they're fighting or what alien civilization this ship brought back or, because it was just, there was no, there was literally no hint of what the movie was about. Like we really had no clue. And, um, if you've never seen the movie, then spoiler alert. Event Horizon is about a scientist that creates a a black hole drive that he puts into a ship called the Event Horizon. Um, it is supposed to go to a spot. It's supposed to make a tear, a black hole in space, and then it's going to end up in a, in, a, in a different spot. It's going to travel in immense speed through a black hole and end up in a different area. The only problem is, where the movie starts, is that the ship never makes it to the area it's supposed to go to. It goes away. It disappears for seven years. To all of a sudden, Event Horizon shows back up. No crew this time. It was full with a crew and all kinds of stuff. But when it shows back up, guess what? It's empty. It's completely gone. It went somewhere, and it came back empty. So, Lawrence Fishburne's team gets sent out. And 
they got to go check out the ship. All of a sudden, just shows up. And Sam Neill is a scientist who direct or who created this black hole drive. So they sent him with a team, and they're going to go, you know, check out the ship and see what happened. Try to figure out this mystery of where it's been for seven years and la la la. So, hence the movie begins, right? So we get to the ship, and some weird things happen, and there's some crazy stuff, and you're like, ah. But then it really hits you. And what it is really is the movie comes off and does something that I think I've never seen done before. This is a real testament to Paul Anderson. What it does, it, this movie hits all your senses besides taste and smell. Um, but like in the beginning, they have this, they go, all we have is this um, this transmission that was sent back from the original crew. And... Um, they listen to it, and it's like the captain saying, you know, we're on our way, we're about to do the blah, 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 the, you know, the black hole, we're about to go to Proxima Prime or something like that, Sigma Prime. And when they engage this black hole drive, it sounds like one of the worst things, like, it sounds like a thousand people being murdered and all this other crazy stuff, and in the middle of all this horrible screaming literally torturous screams you hear a voice in the recording and the voice says liberate me it speaks in old latin so right off the bat in the theater as a young man with my friends you know we're thinking they're going to they're going to fight aliens and clearly not the case as soon as you heard the latin it was like a a chill went down your your spine and like i said it mess with my ears and then visually I'm getting messed with and then mentally I'm getting messed with I'm going where are we going this is going to be crazy cut to the actor he says play it again and I literally remember saying out loud please don't play it again and naturally they play it again and Jason Isaacs is the guy that plays DJ he's the guy who says play it again and I remember in the theater everybody was like no, 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 no. And then they play it again. Blah, blah, all the screaming. Blah, blah. And then you hear Liberate Me again. You know, just even further hitting this nail in your head of horror. And I remember thinking, yeah, I never want to see that video. I never want to even hear that again, really. Well, as the movie continues, you find out that the ship did go somewhere. And they find that out by not only finding the video of that audio that we already had been terrified by. So not only did you hear the audio first, halfway through the movie you get to see the visual of the audio. And it's way worse than you're expecting. And then you find out that the ship literally went to hell. And all the crew is in, stuck in hell. And they're all being tortured. And now the ship is back. And the ship is alive. Somehow this ship is alive, you know. And Dr. Weir, played by Sam Neill, somehow is connected uh, with the ship. So he starts, he ends up becoming the bad guy. He ends up becoming a part of the ship. And he tells him, you know, you can't leave. As the story unfolds more and more, it really becomes apparent that there is absolutely no hope. Not for the audience, and not for the actors. We left the theater mortified. I know that it really, really bothered my sister. And uh, 
but me driving on the way home, I had to go drop off my girlfriend and her friends. I had to drive home uh, alone, which was probably one of the hardest drives I've ever done, ever. I was terrified. Then I got home and my mom was like, hey, how was it? And I'm like, never see it. Like, don't, don't ever see it. I'm not even sure if she has seen it since. Fantastic horror movie. I can watch it now. I mean, back then it was more of a of a shock because we, we went in thinking it was going to be like Predator. You know, fun, crazy, a little scary. Uh, we had no idea that we were going to be transported to hell in the theater. And it was just some of the most amazing imagery and amazing special effects. Even though it was CGI, it looked fantastic. They did do practical effects on that. Um, it is just unbelievable. And I'll never forget the year that they said it was in the movie was 2047. And I thought, man, that's so far away. And now that we're almost so close to 2020, I'm thinking, well, it's actually not that far away. Hopefully the event horizon doesn't just show up <laughs> in our, in our, in the outer atmosphere of earth. And we go, Hey, you know what? Let's go check it out and see what happened with the event horizon. Uh, terrifying. The si- the movie science with this movie, I think, is interesting, too, because it actually makes it believable. You know, dealing with quantum physics and quantum science, you know, they think this is actually kind of possible to create a black hole to go in there and then to maybe come out to another spot. All of that made sense to my mind, and I think also made sense to my sister's mind, which is why it bothered us, oh, so much. So yeah, if you've never seen Event Horizon, you want to watch a really good scary movie, like a good popcorn, get everybody, the whole family together in the in the living room, sit down and watch a good scary movie. I definitely recommend Event Horizon from 1997. Wonderful, wonderful movie. And the tagline I always thought was funny. It says, it was infinite space, infinite terror. Oh, so true, man. Oh, so true so i definitely think you should check it out again if you want to ever talk about this i will be posting this on corpus christi joker facebook and the texas dark arts facebook now for the final movie um, i'm gonna i'm gonna prelude it with my absolute love and uh for this guy and i had to narrow it down to one movie and i think this is probably the one that you should see of his many movies because chances are you've seen one movie already a million times. Um, And I'm talking about Mr. John Carpenter. John Carpenter to me, of course, absolutely amazing. Later on in my life when I was reading H.P. Lovecraft and stuff like that, I really got into the John Carpenter movies because I understood the horror that he was doing. He was so far ahead of his time. Um, The movie I was saying you've probably seen before a million times is, of course, Halloween. He created Halloween. He directed Halloween. And uh, he's most known for Halloween, I think. I would would say Halloween and maybe Big Trouble Little China. But I do have favorite movies from John Carpenter, like um, The Mouth of Madness, Prince of Darkness, They Live... um, But the movie we're going to talk about right now is John Carpenter's The Thing. This was 1982. Definitely horror, definitely sci-fi, and 100% a mystery. And that's one of the elements that I love the most. Because it's kind of like a whodunit, or who isn't, I should say. It's it's such a great movie. Um, It is starring Mr. Kurt Russell in one of his amazing performances yet again. 
as a guy named McReady. Wilford Brimley's in it. Um, Keith David's in it. I'm trying to do this off of memory. But there's a lot of character actors that you'll definitely notice and see and you go, oh my God, I, that guy's from this movie, that guy's from... He really got a fantastic cast and it's all very strong, strong performances. Basis of the movie is... Um, in Antarctica, there's like a downed... Or there's a Norwegian base. They find something in the snow. Um, then all of a sudden, all those people go missing, of course. And they send in McReady's team, who is Kurt Russell's team, to go check it out. Go check out this Norwegian camp that just hasn't responded. So they go and look, and sure enough, they find that they have found something in the snow, which looks like a spaceship. Um, and in the snow, they find a frozen body of some kind some kind of a weird thing no pun intended but literally thing well they bring it back and you know again things start happening i don't want to give anything away if you've never seen it but things start happening and people start changing uh, i don't want to and one thing that i think is cool is you think the creature was the the source of it but there was really this this dog that that got it first and his acting is chilling because you know how dogs are trained dogs can be so scary but like you know how you, you think your dog sees things in your house before you do like he can see ghosts or whatever and it freaks you out when a dog walks slower or staring off into a corner it's totally that plays on that horror where you go what are you looking at stop that get over here don't look at that you know like you're freaking out so this dog does a really good job of creating <laughs> this horror and uh and it just gets worse. So now it becomes a, a who is it? Like who has the thing or who is who they say they are? And they come, they, they figure out that the thing is in the blood. So Kurt Russell's character thinks, hey, let's check everybody's blood. And if your blood doesn't react and, and defend itself because that's what the thing does, then you're still you. And if it isn't, and if it does defend itself, then guess what? You're not, you're not you no more. Um... I do want to mention that Rob Botton was the special effects director for this, and uh, he's most famously known for creating the RoboCop suit and also doing Tim Curry's makeup in Legend. Um, his special effects work on the thing, again, way before CGI, they still use claymation, but most of this is actual physical, like really there, really actors reacting to something physically there, uh, special effects. And it is just unmatched. Yet again, like it's just unbelievable. Like the legend, uh, Darkness. He looks so amazing. No, nothing's even come close to that. But yeah, when you watch the thing, realize that this there's a lot of work they put into it as far as physical, real special effects. Well, as the story goes on, it ends up coming down to Keith David and Kurt Russell. And they have one of the best endings, I think, of any horror movie ever. And I just absolutely love it. Little unknown fact. The Hateful Eight is a fantastic Quentin Tarantino movie. I absolutely love it. But I remember watching it and me and my sister were talking about it. And I said, kind of reminded me of the thing. Well, it turns out that John, I mean, not John Carpenter, Quentin Tarantino did pay homage to The Thing with The Hateful Eight. So after you watch The Thing, watch Hateful Eight. And you can see that there are some interesting similarities as far as the story is. I'm not saying that there's an alien in The Hateful Eight. 
but you can see that there is clearly an homage to, and I absolutely love that about the Hateful Eight, and I, I felt it when I watched it, and then when I found out that that's what he did on purpose, it actually made me feel really, really cool that I caught that, because I love Quentin Tarantino, I love John Carpenter, and to know that they love each other, it's kind of a really cool horror triangle, so I think that's neat. So if you ever watch Hateful Eight again, think about The Thing when you watch it. It's pretty cool. Um, John Carpenter, as I was saying, is a genius. Did uh, He's not only a writer, a director, he's a composer. He's done most of the music for all the movies he's ever done. And I think it's so interesting to me that there are kids nowadays that don't know the, the beauty of John Carpenter. Um, Mouth of Madness or... Really, The Prince of Darkness. I, sh I was thinking Prince of Darkness instead. Excuse me. Prince of Darkness, I think, is one of the most smart, underrated uh, horror movies. Like it, there, I always see these movie listings going, oh, scariest movies of all times. And Prince of Darkness is never on there. I think that should be like top ten, if not top three. As far as making sense and being scary and having to deal with the future and now and the devil and heaven and earth... And doing it in a way to where it actually makes sense and it's possible, that movie does it fantastically, you know. That's why I chose the thing just so I could have a reason to talk about John Carpenter and really just narrow it down to one movie. Like, I think one quintessential movie besides Halloween. Halloween, I think, is a great movie, don't get me wrong. But I think, in my own personal opinion, that the thing and Prince of Darkness blow Halloween out of the water. As far as being scary. What he did with Halloween though. Is he created a fantastic slasher film. Of an iconic character. That will last forever and ever. Even most recently last year. You know we had Halloween. I guess the, the finale. Or I'm not sure what it was. And it was really well done. Really really good. But um, I really wish that uh, John Carpenter. Uh, I don't even know how else to say it, but it was like was was shared more along the way. I wish more kids knew about John Carpenter and his amazing directing ability and how he completely, I think, changed the genre of horror and still has to this day. Because they're still using characters and ideas that he made way back when, today. Like I know, I know they keep throwing around the idea of redoing or relaunching a Big Trouble Little China, which I think is a huge mistake. You cannot. Uh, duplicate magic you know Big Trouble Little China is just one of the greatest movies and something that is not like a, a genre ever I know that um, Taika Waititi the director of Thor Ragnarok he mentioned that when he did Thor Ragnarok he was thinking in his head that Thor was um, Jack Burton you know, he wanted, he, he really was thinking Big Trouble Little China. Like, what would Jack Burton do if he was on that planet? You know, like, how would he react or what would he say? And I think that's a really interesting thing because I do see some similarities. Like, because if you watch Big Trouble Little China, there's a whole video on YouTube about this. It's completely, every line that Jack Burton says is almost a question. Oh, man, what is that? Oh, come on, man. What are you doing? Where is that? Who's that? Every line is a question, and I think that's so cool because if you watch Thor Ragnarok, that's exactly what Thor does too. Every line that he's asking is like a question. What's going on? What's this? Who's that? You know. So I think it's really funny, a similarity in that. And again, the influence of John Carpenter still living through 
and still making uh, interesting choices or ma- that making the directors make interesting story- choices to make interesting movies for us to watch. I don't think I've ever met anybody that said they didn't like Thor Ragnarok or I've never met anybody that said they didn't like Big Trouble Little China. I'd like to know. Definitely tell me if you don't like it and I need to know reasons why. I'd be very interested in that. So yeah, those are my top three for right now. <laughs> uh, horror movies. Um, I definitely would like to hear what you guys think about any of the ones that I brought up. Once again, it was Event Horizon, America Werewolf in London, and John Carpenter's The Thing. If you want to talk about that, please check out my Facebook, the Texas Dark Art Society, or the Corpus Christi Joker Facebook, or my Instagram, the Real Nerf Joker on Instagram, and or the Corpus Christi Joker on Instagram. Hit me up. Tell me what your favorite horror movie is. I'd like to know if you have any ideas on what you'd like for me to do a podcast on next. Please hit me up in the comments on any one of my social medias. I definitely would check into it. I do have um, things coming up uh, as far as Nerf events. So don't forget to check out Dart in the Park. I cannot wait for that pirate edition here in Corpus Christi, Texas. So hopefully you guys had a great time. Let me know what you guys think about this podcast. And I will see you on the next wave. On J-Waves. Thanks, guys.